I'm not sure I've ever met anyone who didn't tell me they had a thought or two about being an entrepreneur. I bet you have too. But let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk because there are a handful of myths that can get in the way of your planning. And we've got an expert in the field who's going to clear it all up for us. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. Today's guest, Beth Berman, is a certified EOS implementer. An internationally recognized facilitator and speaker, Beth helps growth-minded leaders get what they want from their businesses and live better lives. Beth's also a partner at Clark Leadership Group, and in her private coaching, Beth helps leaders become their very best. Great to see you. Welcome to the show, Beth Berman. Thank you, Rob Jollies. You bet. Well, it, it's nice to have you here. And, you know, and I don't mess around. I want to dive right in because I want to go at these myths. And um, and I've got a peek at them. You got five of them. Um, and your first one is being your own boss sets you free. Okay. Yeah. And you're telling me that's a myth. Walk me through that one. Why, why is being your own boss a myth uh, and, and setting you free? Why would that be a myth? Well... You know, people get into business thinking that they're going to have automatically control of their lives. And what actually happens is that the business starts to own them. The business is running their lives versus them running the business. Um, what starts out as a dream, maybe a couple people, maybe a few, um, it begins to take some, take on some traction, starts to grow. They start to get there. And then all of a sudden what worked yesterday isn't working today. They're stuck. They're overwhelmed. They're what we call hitting the ceiling mm -hmm. and they just can't break free. Um, often they don't even notice that they're, they're hitting the ceiling because they're, they're in such a state of overwhelm, just scrapping day to day, getting one day to the next, trying to keep all the issues under control. And it just gets out of hand. Well, um, congratulations. Cause you just nailed that myth. Um, I, I lived that myth. You know, I, I, um, I left in, in April, it'd be 30 years as an entrepreneur. And when I left Xerox, I wrote the number down. I left because I was on the road, 242 nights in one year. And I said, that's it. I have to get control of my life. I just walked your script because my first year I was out 252 nights. Yeah. And, uh, because the same thing I was, sort of panicky and, you know, well, I've got to take the business while it's here. And uh, I didn't know what I was really getting into. And uh, I didn't have the instinct to push back at all. And so the exact reason why I left to become an entrepreneur immediately smacked me in the head. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, we, we don't get taught how to become leaders of our own businesses. Typically, we just do it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's a matter of strengthening all aspects of the business from getting everybody on the same page where you're going with where you're going and, and how you actually plan to get there. Having awesome people, having the right data to have and a sense of what really is working and not working in your business, having the um the ability and a culture built around bringing issues forward, solving them at the root. The right amount of process, not putting straitjackets on people, but the right amount of practice to, practice to have consistency and growth and reliability and scale. And then finally, 
keeping all the circles connected, executing, having everybody on the same page in the right meeting structure with the right goals, all aligned building towards the future they want. But that's yeah. a lot that doesn't get taught to no. the average entrepreneur. <laughs> it doesn't. And, you know, it, it, well, first of all, so anybody listening that doesn't think that we're, you know, we're being cynical here. The greatest thing I ever that ever happened to me was becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. So let's, 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 let's not bury the lead. Absolutely. But, but that said, you know, you're absolutely right. There's, there's no real manual and, you know, right. I, for many people, and I was one of them, you know, right before I left, we were kind of walking around, walking by the mirror going, I could do a better job than those folks. Yes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're out there battling and, you know, you got good days and bad days. You walk by the mirror and go, oh no, that's the, <laughs> that's the guy I have to blame. That guy over there, me. Exactly. Uh, you know, the good news is when it, things are going nicely, you look in the mirror and go, that guy, that right. guy. Right. And that happens for long enough that you think you've got it. <laughs> yeah. And it changes because uh, no business stays stays still. All right. Let, let's run myth two. And and you, this one involves defining your core values and putting them on your website, uh, whether that drives culture or not. Now, I'm not messing around. The first one I was playing with you a little bit. I knew my yeah. 242 and 252. This one, I actually really looked at it and went, what's wrong with putting your core values up on the website? <laughs> so um, I, I, I'm, I'm not playing around. Help me through that one. Okay. So they were meant to be provocative and or thought provoking. You got and me. I guess I gotcha. Yeah. So defining your core values. Many companies, they hire a consultant to come in and create a bunch of terms that are marketing terms that have nothing to do with what real core values are about. So when you think about core values, they should represent who you are as a company, Who, starting with who the leadership team is, who are the key leaders, what is that leader set the culture? And you have to be really intentional about that. And often what happens is they hire a consultant, they go maybe through some exercise, they write a bunch of stuff and they put it on the website and they never do anything with it. So the way to drive culture is to get to your real authentic values, not the nice to, to say things. I mean, some of my companies have, you know, a very common one is GSD and get shit done is basically, you know, that's an attitude. That's a set of behaviors, whatever. But we want to use those core values, whether they're, they're uh, PC or not. They have to be really descriptive about the behaviors that we want to see in our organization and then use them to attract people who are a fit and also to repel people who aren't going to fit with that. You know, there may be some great people that would not fit in, especially your or my company, that might be perfectly fine elsewhere. So you, it's a matter of systemizing what you've gotten real about and communicating it and, and recognizing people and coaching people up to those behaviors. And when someone can't get there, that's a problem. Yeah. Cause yeah. you want, you want people who fit like a glove and then you'll get more people who fit like a glove cause they're happy to be there. Yeah. It makes sense actually. Um, you know, and, and, and a cautionary tale and I'm really upset. It's, it's like going back in time. I'm, I'm really reminiscing right now. I remember people telling me, you know, get your core values down. Where's your three and five of your action plan? And and I remember thinking, I've got more business than I know what to do with. Right. Why would I want to worry about that right now? Right. Uh, you know, I kind of laughed at it like, yeah, you you go write your plans. I'm taking care of business. But you wake up one morning and you realize, you know, that 
<laughs> you really need to, you know, have a direction you're aiming this vehicle at. And, and business isn't going to fall off the trees. I don't, perhaps it's not a coincidence that when an entrepreneur first begins, coincidentally, there is business. That's probably yeah. why we made that leap. But can you sustain it? And exactly. yeah. Oh. Oh, 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 yeah, no, I, I, uh, all right. All right. You, you've swayed me on myth two. But <laughs> uh, and now myth three, I'm going to tell you, uh, you don't have to sway me. I'm with you. I just want to hear your version of this because your myth three is retaining wrong people in the job is better um, than having no one at all. Um, and I, I, I'm not, I, I think I agree with you on this one, but, but walk us through that. Okay. Well, especially now in a very challenging labor market, everyone's looking for people. People have more options than they ever had. It's still, even with the market, even evening out a bit, it's still a candidate, a job candidate's market. It's still, they're calling the shots. They're shopping the employers. They're shopping the individual gigs and jobs and everything else. If we have someone who is a wrong person in, or, in the organization, in, in my definition under the EOS or entrepreneurial operating system umbrella, that means they're a wrong person because they're not fitting the core values. So someone who is um, really not be, being able to reflect the who we are or the who I am, keeping them in the organization is gonna be poison in the organization. So even while it's difficult to find people, um, I, I recently did a, a blog and the opening to it was bummer. I wish I'd waited longer to let go of that person, said no one ever. So the point is you, a great organization has to have great people. And what are great people made of? Right people, right seats, right people rock your core values. Yeah. So yeah. as someone who is not a fit will eventually poison. They, they, they may lower the standards. Other people start to react. It causes all kinds of havoc in, in your organization. Yeah. And the reason why this one, I, I was lined up with you is because um, I'm doing a lot of work. I'm going to give him a shout out while we're at it. I, I'm giving, doing a lot of work for a uh, staff to hire a company called pride staff. Yeah. And, um, and so as we work on the case studies and I'm listening to them role play and they're really getting in, into the long-term effects of of hiring the wrong person and keeping that person on. And, and it's almost like a, like a sports team, what that yeah. does to the locker room. Exactly. You know? I never got that as a kid, by the way, Beth, I always thought, well, if that superstar is there, just get him. But you know, my yeah. dad would go, he's not good in the locker room. I'm like, who cares? He can throw a football. It's and a uh, then you realize, yeah, they can take the whole team down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you may not see it right away, but, but what happens when you do finally make that one good people decision and let go of a person who's not a fit, all of a sudden, everyone around them will come in to, to congratulate you and tell you how long they've been waiting for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the long-term effects we're talking about, I mean, I, you know, I'm mentioning a locker room, we're talking about morale, we're talking about potential lawsuits. Uh, we never know what kind of Absolutely. issues we're getting into. And you're right, long-term effects, it can actually shift the culture of an organization. I'm not sure, I mean, you can probably talk me into one, but I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm not sure if there's a more important issue than getting the right people in the right positions when you're running a company. I mean, you, you have one that's bigger than that? I, I can't come up with one right now. No, no that, I mean, I, I think there's so many things that are important, but 
great companies are made up of great people and managing that human energy is the real job of a leader. Uh, and, and depending on what level that leader is, some leaders want to be kind of hands off and doing the big relationships, big dreams, but getting the person who's in the business, we call that an integrator to be able to drive that and cultivate that kind of culture. It's, the, you know, when you've got great people all pulling in the same direction, who was it who said this? Was it Lencioni or Collins? One of them did. You can beat any business at any time uh, against any competition. And you've got right. everybody pulling in the same direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, 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 let's stray out of the myth world a little bit and just stay here for a second, because I think that's a really good point. What advice do you have for people? I mean, sometimes, you know, it's not the wrong person, but um, we see potential. So I'm, I'm going back to my sports analogy yeah. and, I'm, and I'm saying, uh, I don't have the fastest widget person on the floor, but I've got an athlete. I've got somebody yeah. I think I can train up. Yeah. Uh, so if you're talking to leaders right now about managing people who aren't hitting home runs right now, but but right. they're hitting singles and doubles. What advice would you give them? If they're the right kind of person and yeah. you can train them up in time, in time for the big game, then that's absolutely a win. You can't create people. You can't change people's human nature. If they're not a fit, they're never going to be a fit. So you can coach them. You know, it's sure you can educate them on what you are and who you are, and they can step up to a degree. But if they're really contrary to who you are, you're never going to get them there. So when you've got someone who is a fit, that's gold. Yeah. The training for how to do, we're, you know, most of us aren't rocket scientists or brain surgeons. The the training for getting them up to speed is really a matter of can you get them up to speed. I say in time for the big game, in time for when you need them to be proficient. And what do you need to do? What's the ROI on getting that person to a level where they can be a, a, an, a major performer and still be feeding that wonderful kind of energy in the organization that is your culture? Yeah, great point. And I, and I, I just want people to hear that because it actually has been sort of a pet peeve of mine. I'm 13 years volunteering, helping people who are in career transition. Yeah. And one of the things that frustrates me just so much is, uh, particularly when I'm trying to place salespeople, is a company that says, well, you know, I like this person, Beth Berman, um, and she certainly seems like she's got some great skills, but she's never worked in our particular industry. She's never sold washing machines. She right. simply sold, you know, typewriters or boy, that where'd that come from? This is my X zero <laughs> days. <clears throat> let's let, let's let's freshen that example up a little bit. She's okay. only, only sold printers. Uh, but 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 that's a real uh, refresh there, Rob. <laughs> she's only sold laptops. Where do you want we, we, mainframes? Where do you want me to go with this? Uh, but but it, you know, the, I happen to say, and people get offended by this, but I happen to think product knowledge or, or and sometimes just that knowledge base it's a little overrated yeah. it's not that i'm it's not that i don't want somebody who's really smart although i will tell you i don't want somebody too smart that that's not that that they can rub customers the wrong way i want right. somebody who's smart but i'm looking for that person who can bond with another individual exactly communicate with another individual as you said sort of had those values and those morals and my goodness I'll teach him whatever antiquated product exactly. <laughs> on my list that I just 
but, but that I can do. Okay. It's just the other parts, the parts you're describing, Beth, those are kind of tough to teach. Loyalty right. is tough to teach. Yeah. Can you teach it? I'm not even sure it's teachable. It's got to be in the person and you've got to be cultivating it by having open, honest conversations where expectations are clear. Your yeah. expectations, their expectations. Yeah. All right. All right. We now return you to your myths. Uh, we go to myth four and it's accountability. Can leaders and managers make people accountable? So you what do you think? Myth. What do you think? Leaders and managers. Well, because you're, you're messing with me. Uh, <laughs> I, I would immediately say, oh, of course they can. But I'm not so sure that's where you're going. So I'm going to say, no, you can. But uh, my instinct would be, yes, you can. Okay. So if you have a right person in the right seat, you can create the environment for them to be accountable. Um, it comes to leading and managing people in such a way that they can become accountable. So, you know, they, leadership is about kind of leading them. It's more on the business. Management's more in the business. It, it, it's, it's about creating the openings, creating a, an opening where, you know, nature pours a vacuum and, and allowing them to fill that vacuum and step up and whether that be a, a seat or function in the organization or a job, or whether that be a goal that you're setting for them or an expectation that you're setting for them. So, you know, that that's more on the, the leadership side and, and, and there are communications requirements that go around that as well and ways of making sure that those expectations are clear and that you're coaching people through all of this. But on, on the management side, it, it's really setting clear, specific, smart goals, being being on the same page as to what done looks like for each goal, as to timeframes, as to metrics, all that kind of stuff. So that, and, and providing, you know, a big part of management, especially in this marketplace, aside from giving them, uh, you know, whatever kind of hybrid or virtual work arrangement or whatever people are demanding these days, is, is their experience in the company and what are they getting? Are they growing? Are they getting the leadership, or not leadership, but are they getting the training and development that they need? Are they, um, are they being given opportunities to grow? Are they getting, are they having um, opportunities to work at a higher level with better people internally, externally? Are they able to, how closely can you match where they want to be with what you can provide? So there's, there's a lot of that. And it, and it's, you know, it used to be viewed management as a, you know, you had a boss, he was the manager and it was a one-way street, but it's, it's a two-way world. And and it's very easy for our people to shop other opportunities. And, you know, some people think at a certain age that stops. If you if you know, for I, I've been in recruiting and job search coaching as well. And, you know, where there's a will, there's a way you get noticed, you, you show up in a big way, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, you had me at communication. Yeah, uh, I should have stopped there. Well, <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, you know, everything is just feeding into that word that you just said. Um, yeah. And if you think about it, and I'm going back in my days, I had managers that were, you know, tougher managers and easier managers and friendlier managers. And but but the worst managers I ever had, and I really can only think of sort of one and a half, but 
yeah. were the ones that I never knew where they stood. I never knew where I stood. And, and, and a paranoia, and it wasn't just me, and a paranoia begins to set in. And um, I, it's like a cancer. It, it, it's, it was terrible. If I'm not doing a good job, I really, let's get at it early and let me know. Uh, I, you know, most people are reasonable, but you don't want people guessing what the manager's right. thinking. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I, I'll tell you that um, I wish managers, I'm curious how you feel about this, because I coached a lot uh, of basketball and uh, I was, I, I played a lot, I, but that didn't make me a great coach. Uh, I had to sort of learn that. And one of the things that when I started getting better as a coach and then better as a manager, I applied the same principles was it wasn't my way or the highway. It wasn't, this is the way I coach everybody. It was assessing the talent that I had right. and realizing that different people get coached different ways uh, where, you know, in the book, sometimes you'll see where you're going to got to treat everybody the same. Actually, right. you don't. Um, now uh, there's a lot that happens behind the closed door, but I'm trying to figure out what motivates people, what inspires people. And, uh, sometimes people, you know, will be inspired by a, you know, mythical kind of kick in the rear end and yeah. others will be devastated by it. And, um, but just being that being flexible. Yeah. So I have another thought for you on that. And okay. I think a lot of companies miss this point, a lot of leadership teams and leaders, with what you just said, you can't create a feeling of being recognized and being appreciated if you're not doing it in a way that the person can receive it. So there are some people, first of all, I am totally an advocate of in even systemizing and I don't mean by, you know, just putting it in a system, but making sure that you're reminded over and over to thank people for the big and the little things, to appreciate people for great performance, great effort, great behavior, whatever it is. But it's got to be in a way that they can receive it. And this is something many, many companies miss. So, you know, some people are going to want loud gongs, whistles, banners, you know, the sales types typically, you know, they want to parade around or we want to parade around for when I was in sales. But many people just want a quiet tap on the net, on the back, a, a text, uh, an emoji, whatever it is. It's, it's so important to create a culture of appreciation because when you think about it, if you do that at the leadership level, and you do it appropriately where people can receive it in a way that's comfortable for them, not the same for all. And then they do it with their people and they do it with their people. Imagine, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Imagine what that starts to look like in an organization. And, yeah. and I'm not talking about being pandering. I'm talking about real recognition for real work or real effort. Right. If you tunnel into some pocket-sized pep talks, it's probably one of the biggest topics that I, I land on uh, because I, I, I so agree with you. First of all, statistically, it's off the charts. The number of people that leave uh, yeah. due to a lack of recognition exactly. and managers are in the other corner going, well, uh, I, you know, all they're going to want is more money, you know, and then when come, come review time, they're going to be wanting to, you know, a, a big bump. Uh, well, that also indicates the manager has no clue as to how to give recognition because yeah. we're very specific with the recognition recognition. I'm not telling you you're just wonderful. Uh, right. we, you know, we're being very specific. 
but also I love I I, I keep it in my brief my my <laughs> another old school attack my briefcase. <laughs> I'm at my laptop bag. I don't know what's, I came, <laughs> folks. I came off a red eye last night. I'm, I'm, I'm somehow I've, I've, I'm, 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 I'm going to put on a orange leisure suit when this is over. Uh, but, but I keep in that laptop bag, uh, twenty five ways to recognize people yep. that does not involve money. You just gave a couple a, a pat on the back means something to people. Yep. Being invited to a meeting that maybe they wouldn't normally go to. As to show your appreciation means something to people. Let's get more creative with, with this. Let's stop being so stingy exactly. and learn how to do it. And you you nail it, including you, what else can we do to make this great and eliminating that boy, if you only <laughs> it's yeah. just death of recognition. And if you want to build co culture, going back to where we started, yeah, tie it to your core values. Yeah. You know, reinforce the core values when you're giving recognition. This was great. You were, you know, you really yeah. got you done this time, or you really were yeah. humble, confident, or whatever it is. Yep, yep, yep. That project you nailed. Um, you nailed uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and your, you and your uh, typewriter. Okay. <laughs> By the way, when I sold for Xerox, I, I was really good at selling typewriters. But oh, that tells you, you when I was selling for Xerox. <laughs> I sold other things too. But the I'm typewriters were easy. I'm not going there with you. I'm not going there with you. <laughs> I'm dragging you there with me. All right. Myth number five. Thanks for, for saving me. Myth number five. Can't have measurements in a high trust environment. Huh. Uh, let's hear your answer to that one. Okay. So many people are afraid to, to measure people, to put scorecards, dashboards, whatever you want to call them. Because they feel people will think that the leaders or managers don't trust them. The bottom line is you can have measurement in a high trust environment. People who want to do good work and complete work and on-time work want to be recognized for that. And a scorecard or a measurement is going to be a way of validating that. Also, the idea that you, you know measurement makes us too you know maybe younger people don't want measurement younger people want to be appreciated in as many ways as they can and identified and see their impact and another way that measurement can help is by actually showing the impact of what they did so they may have produced six widgets in your example um but maybe they did it in record time and 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 that enabled the company to do something else. So the company was able to earn something or do something or achieve something. Whatever it is, you can take it from its most minuscule, basic task level all the way through to impact and to organizational impact as, as well as external impact. So in EOS, we have seven truths of, uh, of of what we call the measurement or the scorecard. There, there are many other truths around it, but the idea is why would we be afraid of measuring when we don't measure, when we don't have correct data to give us a pulse on what's working and what's not, we never get to smoke out the issues, create a culture where issues are brought forward early without shoot the messenger. Without the data, we can't course correct along the way. And we need to be looking at that data regularly. So measurement is a really important aspect 
of getting real about our business. Yeah, yeah well, they kind of doing a good job. Well, are they really? Right. Or maybe maybe we should give them some recognition. Right, right. And maybe that measurement you speak of also will reduce that paranoia that I spoke of, which is exactly. how do I know if I'm doing this well enough? Right. Uh, if we provide a measurement and, and you know, can't measure everything, but man, you'd be surprised how much we can measure. I mean, people look at selling and they go, can you really measure, you know, the processes? Oh, uh, yes, you can. Yes, you, you can. can. You know, yes, you can. <laughs> and we have an old saying that, you know, when you have a process, you have a way of measuring what you're doing. And when you can measure it, you can fix it. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, but I think that's also really good just in terms of that, maybe that skittish employee that's a little uncomfortable. Um, and again, remember, we're shaping the shot here providing um, measurements to everyone, but I would think particularly that individual who's a little unsure and, and wants to please. Um, exactly. I, I'd love to have that employee working for me, but we have to, we have to manage them, you know, the right way. Yeah. And, and in that management, you can inspire a little bit of competition mm -hmm. between people uh, and, and also you get a clearer pulse on your business. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I have a myth of my own. I, I, uh, I'm a junior uh, Beth Berman. Uh, uh, I, I, I wrote my own myth. That's, okay. you see, I think I was somewhere over Topeka last night and I came <laughs> up with a myth. Because, uh, you know, I learned this one. You'll never have to worry about reporting to a boss again. And um, that for me was a huge myth of being an entrepreneur because usually we have clients and, exactly. and those clients become bosses. So I went from having one boss at Xerox to about 42 bosses and um, and just different organizations. But I, I smile now because I really did think as I was walking out and going and get ready to open up. No more thinking, bosses. That's it. <laughs> I'm boss free. Uh, no, that would, that was a myth that, that, that I happened to experience. Uh, Beth, tell me a little bit about your, about your business. So I um, am a certified EOS implementer and EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system. It's a system, a set of integrated tools. It's not a tech system, though there is software to support it. It's a set of integrated tools um, that over 17,000 companies are actually using the full system with the help of an implementer and hundreds of thousands are using tools. But the idea is it focuses on three things, vision, traction, healthy. So vision, getting everybody, leadership team first, and then the whole company ultimately on the same page with where you're going and how you plan to get there. Then the traction is about actually executing in such a way that you are moving towards chipping away at that future vision and you're, you're executing with discipline and accountability. So everything is pulling in the same direction. And then the third element that we focus on, or one of our three uniques, is healthy. We've been talking about management and leadership and business you can't get anywhere without a healthy, open, honest team. You may perform well, but it's going to be drudgery. It's going to be miserable. Yeah. If you want better business, better life, that's where that comes from. So, you know, I believe, and my colleagues tend to believe, and a colleague of mine, Jonathan Smith, actually coined a, a, an expression around this. I believe every great leader needs three things, a system, so we've got EOS, a peer group, I run one, I think you run one, and a coach. Because if you think about it, you've got this operating system to help you run your business instead of your business running you. 
then you, a great leader, though we want to be open and honest, there's still individual skills, issues, development that we want to do. And we need to do that in a safe place. So a peer group and then a coach to become your best as a leader and as a human, because that, you know, we're embodied in one body and it's, it's all sides of us. So it makes life better too. Beautiful. You have any mentors that uh, kind of help shape this? Cause you're up to a lot of things here. Yeah, I'm up to a lot of things. <laughs> so, um, one of my mentors uh, was Jonathan Smith, who I mentioned. He was one of the first ever implementers, one of Gino Wickman, the founder of EOS's first clients. And um, he's actually mentored me. Mm. Um, other mentors, believe it or not, uh, the, uh, the when I was a leader in a recruiting firm, the owner of that recruiting firm mentored me. Um, uh, it's no longer in existence. I would say, um, also believe it or not, my husband, my husband, uh, has taught me a way of looking at life at reaching even further than I was reaching and, and living life in such a way that we're doing good and doing well. Well, you're a blessed human being. Um, that's, that's, that's the right kind of partner to have. So, uh, good, good answer, as we say, Thank in the business. You. Good answer. <laughs> All right. How do people get a hold of you? So I am on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in growth DC is my little handle on LinkedIn. Uh, my business number is 240-560-8946. translates, at least in the old days on phones, to you win. Uh, it's a nod to my dad who used to say, you're a pearl, you're a winner. Good. <laughs> So there's that, um, or Berman at eosworldwide.com. Okay. And we'll put that up on our site as well. Uh, listen, I, uh, thoroughly enjoyed this and I was, it was really thinking we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. This, this should be interesting. Uh, it was beyond interesting. It was, it was really fascinating. And, um, I'm grateful that they have had you on the show and just thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm always grateful to have you in my world. I love everything you write and most things you say. <laughs> <laughs> Inside story, folks. Inside story. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you, Beth Berman. And folks, we'll do it again as well as we can next time. Until then, stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.